A new straw poll shows that Joel Embiid, who the Heat will face on Christmas Day, is the favorite to win the MVP trophy. What does that mean for Miami? And where do players like Bam Adebayo and Jaime Hawkins stand in the race for postseason awards? We'll break it all down on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are locked on Heat. Your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg. I'm an NBA media member and editor at allyoucaneat.com. And joining me as always, a longtime NBA reporter and somebody who doesn't want to hear any more about Joel Embiid, it's David Ramil. However, you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Use the code Locked On NBA, all lowercase, for a first deposit match up to $100. ESPN released its straw poll for MVP, and Joel Embiid is leading as the favorite to repeat. Behind him are Nikola Jokic, Giannis, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Luka Doncic, and several others. Not a surprise, but no Heat player cracks the top 10. I do want to talk about which Heat players could be in the running for some other end of season awards later on, but what does this mean for the Heat that top players from their biggest rivals? are at or near the top of these MVP rankings, David? Not a damn thing. I think the fact is that Giannis mm. Antetokounmpo and Joel Embiid have been in the MVP running, and that's not how Miami operates. It doesn't really matter. I know a lot of Heat fans are frustrated by Jimmy, quote-unquote, taking time off and coasting through the regular season and everything else like that. This team has, over the four years that Jimmy Butler has been leading this group, and Eric Spolstra at its helm, does – something greater than the sum of its regular season parts when it comes to the postseason. They play with an intensity and a fire and a, and a strength that your MVP candidate from Philadelphia or Boston or Milwaukee or anywhere else doesn't really matter. With the exception of Nikola Jovic and the mismatch nightmare that he presented for the Heat in the NBA Finals. Nikola Jovic. I'm not that good. What did I say? Jovic. Jovic? <laughs> yes, it should have been him, but no, it was Nikola Jokic. <laughs> Aside from Jokic, like I'm not concerned about Embiid and his gaudy 60 point, 50 point, you know, stat line of foul baiting because we know that's not going to happen in the playoffs. He's not going to get 28 free throw attempts when he matches up against any team in the playoffs, which is why they've been historically early round exits over the course of Embiid's tenure in Philadelphia. Giannis, who knows with him? Yes, he had his career high the other day. He can go chase whatever game ball he wants to. It doesn't really matter when he faces Miami. Miami has pretty much had. Milwaukee's number over the past four seasons with the exception of uh, one time and other than that like I mean we we heard about Jason Tatum being a perennial MVP candidate and yet at the same time Boston fans are kind of saying you know what we're never going to win anything with Jason Tatum continually crapping the bed as often as he does and why his problems kind of manifest in the playoff series especially against Miami Celtics fans might have an MVP candidate in Jason Tatum they might love what Jason Tatum could provide but they're all terrified of facing the Miami Heat, and with good reason. Without an MVP candidate, Miami's still the better team, and they have the depth, and they have everything that they need in order to be able to beat anybody in the Eastern Conference, which is why I still think that they're a finals favorite. I agree with you when it comes to these three guys, Joel Embiid, Giannis, and Tatum. It doesn't really matter what they do in the regular season anymore. They got it. All three of them have had playoff shortcomings in recent years 
that they have to overcome. Giannis probably most recently and most dramatically, obviously with the with the first round upset against the Heat last year, he really yeah. does need to bounce back. They they revamped the entire team around him, traded Drew Holiday, got Damian Miller. Like they made a lot of changes, got rid of their coach, uh, hired a new coach, all because they lost to the Heat in that first round. So he's sort of the one under the most pressure. But you look at his numbers, and you could argue he's never been better. And I know that it's been a little clunky in Milwaukee, especially defensively. They're not running as much pick and roll between Damian Lillard and Giannis, but he has never seen more single coverage than he has right now. And I think that's why you're seeing these MVP numbers and he's got a you know a career high effective field goal percentage and all these things. Like he's never been this efficient because he's seeing bet easier coverages now. And I think if you're the Heat, that's just something that you have to game plan against and worry about. And it's not necessarily that these guys are in the MVP uh, conversation and MVP front runners right now that should be worrying the Miami Heat. It is that they have been so productive that Joel Embiid has never been better, right? Separated now from James Harden and Jimmy Butler and all those guys. He's never been better. His passing numbers are better. His his scoring numbers are just unbelievable what they're at right now. He is dominant. Um, that's the part that I think should worry Heat fans is all, all of your, all of these, you know, boss level guys have only gotten better. And now in these MVP uh, straw polls, you've got a guy like Tyrese Halliburton from the Pacers. Now, I don't, I'm don't. i not going to sit here and tell you that Indiana is a legitimate uh, you know, conference finals contender here or finals contender in the East because they're not. The Pacers are far away. But the fact that he is seventh in this straw poll speaks to the fact that, all right, we already knew that you had like this upper crust of Tatum, Giannis, and Bede in whatever order. But now you maybe have other stars ascending Maybe and and I don't know how much longer the Heat have the best player on the floor for any of these series, whether it's against Boston, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, or even Indiana, if they were to meet them in the playoffs. So in that respect, I do think is it's separate from the MVP award, but I do think all of these guys have just gotten better. And that's something that the mm-hmm. Heat need to factor in when it comes to how they approach this season what kind of seed that they aim to get, what they do at the trade deadline, all these things. They can't just ignore all this stuff and be like, well, we had their numbers in the playoffs before. We always kind of kick it up a notch in the postseason. So we're good. We're just going to chill. I don't think that that's the right approach. But when has Miami over the past four seasons ever had the best player on the floor until the series actually gets played out? Like at the start of every series, I don't know that you can point to one matchup that Miami's had and looked at Miami's roster. Maybe the, the weakest opponent during that stretch might have been the Atlanta Hawks coming off of their Eastern conference finals run the year Two before. years ago when they were the, when, when, when the heat were yeah. the one seed. Right. And, and, and a lot of people were still like, Oh, Trey young, you know, Hawks and six. Like, I don't know that it's, no, I, I'm, so I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I think the two times though, that the heat have faced a team with a better player was the NBA finals in the bubble. Like as great as Jimmy Butler was like Anthony Davis, you could argue mm-hmm. was, was better. Maybe LeBron was better. Like I, I think that was probably the closest. And I then obviously maybe okay, that's fair. I mean we don't have to we don't have to go there, but it was close. It was a lot closer than anybody else they faced in the in in that uh in that playoff run before in the bubble. And because you know obviously Giannis didn't play well and and uh uh Tatum didn't have a great series. And then I would say you know Jokic like you said earlier was just flatly the best player on the court in the NBA finals last year and the Heat lost both of those series. I'm with you. I don't think that the Heat need to. I'm not saying that the Heat should panic. I think that Miami's best basketball is ahead of them. But yes, I am a little bit more worried about a team like Philadelphia than I was to begin the season because I think Joel Embiid has been that good. Um, I actually am not as worried about the Celtics 
anymore. I don't know how you feel, but the fact that Tatum is six, despite his team having the best or tied for the best record over the last couple of weeks in the NBA, their net rating is, you know, a hundred percent, whatever, like, a and, and yeah. they're, they're just, they're crushing teams. They're starting five, their top six or top seven is the best in the league. And if you kind of go historically, like best player on best team should at least be among the front runners doesn't necessarily have to be the favorite, but among the front runners. And he's kind of an afterthought in this like real legitimate MVP conversation. If I'm a Celtics fan, I'm kind of thinking like, yo, what's up with Jason Tatum? I kind of would like a little to see a little bit more from him. The fact that he's not like a real MVP favorite right now is a little strange. And I think Tatum is clearly a notch below the Tatum, uh, the, the Embiid's and the Giannis's and the Jokic's, which is still a very yeah. good player. He's a top 10 player, but he's not that either. I think that it's more of a reflection of the fact that they've got a more well-rounded cast that everybody's kind of looking at the starting unit Could be. and recognizing them. I, you know, the, the production from Embiid is so gaudy because there's no James Harden there, because Tyree Mac Tyrese Maxey as a young player still has to take a back seat to Joel. In Milwaukee, as you pointed out, I think it's the presence of Dame, whose numbers have dropped a little bit from you know his greatness in Portland. Yeah. And so you know, he kind of takes the pressure off as a, a great individual scorer. And so that allows Giannis to be much more gaudy in his production level. And I think the whistle gets very friendly nowadays. So I, I think these things kind of get mitigated in the playoffs. Uh, as far as Tatum is concerned, like Boston's a good team. I, the, the straw sure. poll and the MVP race, look at Miami, you know, a couple of seasons ago when they were the one seed, as you just pointed out. Like, you know, who was the MVP candidate on that team? Was it P.J. Tucker? You know, who was it? Was it Jimmy Butler? Was it Bam Adebayo? Like, they yeah. both missed time during that year. You can have the number one team in the in the conference without necessarily having Fair the enough. best player in the conference. So I'm all about okay. that. Um, full disclosure, uh, I I was a voter in the in the straw poll here. My top five were were the same, uh, almost almost the same. I had Embiid number one, Jokic number two, Giannis number three. I did have Shea Gilgis Alexander number four. Luca came in at number five on ESPN's poll pretty handedly. I didn't have Luca at five. I actually went LeBron number five, but I can't say that I felt awesome about it. To me, I, it was between at the time Kevin when we had to turn these in Luca, Kevin Durant, and LeBron. Those were sort of the three that I had. But just for fun, David, like who would be your top five? Would your top four look about the same? And would you have a different fifth? No, I'd have a uh, Jokic first. I think he's still the best player there. I, th I, I mean. I I'm not as huge a fan of Joel Embiid, uh, you know, so I I, I will put sure. him third behind Giannis, uh, uh -huh. and then you could probably go with Shea there as fourth, uh, and then Luca at fifth. I think that's fair. That's fine too. Um, Jaime Hakez Jr. probably not going to win Rookie of the Year, but he could be in the running for mm -hmm. a different award. We'll tell you which one after this. Today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Look, it's the holidays. I know it's a difficult time for a lot of people. While well, everybody might think of, you know, Christmas carols and celebrating and, and holiday celebrations and things of that sort. For others, it might be a much more difficult time, a challenging time. And, and sometimes a way of addressing those challenges just by talking to somebody, especially a licensed therapist. And if you want to talk to somebody because the holidays have got you down or maybe it's just a lingering problem that you want to be able to discuss then BetterHelp is the option for you. There's nothing better, I think, for, for people who are going through these kind of challenges than being able to talk to a therapy, a therapist. You know, therapy, I think, is uh, understanding what it does and the benefits of that. You know, just a couple episodes ago, we talked to 
we talked to somebody who saw it, not necessarily a, a therapist, but a sports psychologist, Duncan Robinson, because he was going through the challenges of his individual season last year. And I think it's helped him. And obviously his production on the court kind of reflects that. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You fill out, fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. So make sure you get to BetterHelp in the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash NBA, and today you might get a 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash NBA. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and your favorite podcast app. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. I want to talk about a bunch of different awards, uh, David. Rookie of the Year, Sixth Man of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Most Improved, Coach of the Year. We're going to break down a bunch of these things and where certain Miami Heat players might factor into these conversations. Well, let's start with Rookie of the Year, because I think we've talked about this a lot in regard to Jaime Hawkeyes Jr., who I think is, by pretty much consensus now, the third best rookie in this class between uh, behind... Uh, Chet Holmgren and Victor Webanyama. I think most people are there with Jaime being number three, certainly top four. Uh, he's got no shot at winning rookie of the year. I just, I don't see it happening. It's going to be Chet probably. It could still be Webanyama if he finishes the season strong. Again, we've talked a lot about Jaime's rookie of the year candidacy. I think he actually might be a candidate for a different award. But before I get to that, do you have anything else on the rookie of the year thing? No, I, I mean, it's so difficult to kind of parse through it because, you know, I, I think the, you could make a case that Chet really shouldn't qualify as a rookie considering he had a year of training, oh, yeah. even though he was injured and everything else like that. I know this was held against I've been Griffin. with you on this. No, and, and yeah. it, it's not fair. And I'm sorry that you didn't play your, your actual rookie year. It sucks, but you're just going to be ineligible for the award. I, I, I'm with you on that. It's, it's a little bit of a leg up, and I think it's unfair. But those, those are the rules for some reason. I don't know. I think baseball does it this way, but I know the NFL doesn't do it this way. It's just a weird – it's such a weird thing that the NBA does. Not till you play your first, second in the NBA. I, I don't know if like if like you've been a journeyman in the G League for ten years, and then you get a call up to the NBA. Does that qualify you a as a rookie? Yeah, you're technically a rookie. It's weird. So it's a it's a little weird. Uh, no, and and as far as Weapon Yama, like his numbers have been good on a bad team, and they're struggling. But there was so much hype going into the season. Mm-hmm. Like he would have had to have been historically awful to right. not be considered a, right. a top candidate, and he's not. And he's not. And he's not. No, he's, he's not. very good. Um, so, yeah. No, what's the category in which Hyman okay. might qualify for? Because I'm curious. I'm here to officially begin Jaime mm-hmm. Jaquez Jr. Six man of the year. <laughs> he has no shot at winning rookie of the year. Let's just let, let's let that go. I actually was kind of looking at the numbers. It's not crazy. It's not crazy. Jaime Jaquez Jr. doing what he's doing. As basically a sixth man, mostly coming off the bench. I know he started the other night in place of Jimmy Butler, but he mostly comes off the bench. For a winning team, all right? So uh, on FanDuel, their their favorites are Bogdan Bogdanovich, uh, Austin Reeves, Tim Hardaway, Cole Anthony, 
Malik Monk, and I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't remember what order it's in, but it's those kind of guys. Those are the favorites for six men of the year, and I don't really have a gripe with any of them. But Jaime is 12th in points per game among players who have mostly come off the bench and have played a certain amount of minutes. He's in 12th, 12th in points per game, but first in field goal percentage, shooting almost 53% overall. He's fifth in rebounding, fifth in assists, third in steals, third in minutes per game. He's shooting 42% on threes, and again, I repeat this, for a winning team playing an important role for a team that was in the finals last season. If I had to vote on six man of the year right now, I probably would not vote Jaime Jaquez. But I think he's in the conversation. And should I think be we on need the ballot. to have that. What? Should be on the ballot. I mean, that's, I consider him on the ballot. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I think that's fair. I, I think when you look at the overall game, and I know there are issues with Jaime defensively that he continues to work through as a rookie again despite mm -hmm. the fact that he's older or whatnot, I think he probably has as good, if not a better all-around game than any of those top quote, you know, candidates that you listed before. I, I, Austin Reeves is not a great defensive player. Malik Monk certainly not a great defensive player. Mm -hmm. Bogdanovich is not. I, I mean, I think Hakez, again, despite his limitations defensively, is still as, as better than anybody else considered there. And given his playmaking abilities and the fact that he is – as you mentioned, a factor in a on a winning team, that should be all you need as far as consideration. Like, where does he rank in terms of well, yeah. who are who are the who are the top points per game players See, as far as those six man candidates? Bogdan Bogdanovich, which at some point he's he's got to win this award if he just plays for a team that's not sad for once in his career. It was Sacramento and then it's Atlanta. That dude, mm. he's so good, but he just keeps playing for the saddest teams in the league. Um, he's gonna get traded to Detroit or something. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich is leading. The, that's that's true. Seventeen point six points per game. He's awesome. Uh, great percentages all around, etc. Tim Hardaway has been great for Dallas off the bench, and I, I would maybe consider voting for him if I had to vote today. Austin Reeves has been mm -hmm. very good since moving off the bench for the Lakers. He's kind of a fake sixth man because he comes off the bench, but basically plays almost thirty minutes a game and closes games for them. But whatever. I mean, that's. Tyler Hero won it that way, and, and so yep. we can't have much of a gripe here. Cole Anthony has been awesome for Orlando, and defensively, he's not like awesome as a one-on-one -on -one defender, but he's a good team defender. He draws a ton of charges and stuff like that. We just watched him. He had a great game against the Heat the other night. So I would I would consider him strongly on my ballot also. I'm a big Malik Monk fan. I just like when he mm. gets rolling, but it's sort of – he's streaky. I think that's fair. Yes. But yes. I, would, I would put Jaime – firmly in that group and i i think that's fine and and again i would if i had to vote i'd probably go with austin reeves right now because he just he's a good player he's basically their point guard at the end of games he leads to winning they're 12 and 7 when he comes off the bench like it, he's a helpful player he's an impact guy but i just i would like i if, if i not gonna be realistically in the conversation for rookie of the year because it's basically a two-man race i think we can move the conversation this direction that's fair enough Let's move on um, to another player and another reward. Well, this is where it gets tough. Defensive player of the year. Uh, Bam Adebayo has missed a lot of games. Also should mention, we're not going to talk about Tyler Hero in any of these because he is now officially ineligible because he's not going to reach the 65-game threshold that's new to the NBA this year. Tyler Hero is not going to be eligible for any of the end-of-season end awards. So that we're not going to have – he's not going to be part of these conversations. But Bam Adebayo missed a few games, still very much eligible – potentially even the front runner. I don't think most people consider Bam the front runner for defensive player of the year at this point because he did miss some games, but I do have one stat that I want to bring up 
that may convince people otherwise. That's going to come up next here on Locked on Heat. Today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or less than on, on two, two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. It's so great. Uh, look, basketball season's here, obviously. You can pick combo projections now with football and basketball from their specialist league, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made and receptions. Watch the winnings roll in. You want to play alongside some of Prize Picks favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz, you can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries for some of the biggest names in the prize picks community each week. It's great. Just go to prizepicks.com slash NBA and use the code LockdownNBA for a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash NBA and use the code NBA. You get a first deposit match of up to $100. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA daily fantasy sports made easy. Thanks for making locked on heat. Your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube, like the videos on YouTube, subscribe on your favorite podcast app as well. Let's talk defensive player of the year. Bam out of bio. That's his award. He was laying the groundwork for a defensive player of the year campaign here before he missed seven straight games with this hip injury, but he looks great having come, Coming back now, he looked great before that. If he's healthy, I think we're just going to see him kind of further his case for Defensive Player of the Year. However, I think the front runner here, and rightfully so right now, is Rudy Gobert. He's the the best defender on the best defensive team in the league, and he's the guy. Um, so Gobert right now is considered the betting favorite, according to FanDuel, by far. He's minus yep. 115 for Defensive Player of the Year in order behind Rudy Gobert. Anthony Davis at plus 550. Chet Holmgren at plus 850. He's been that good, man. I don't, have a, I don't even have a problem with that. Joel Embiid at plus 1,800. Jaron Jackson Jr. at plus 2,500. And then Bam Adebayo at plus 2,500. So Bam, Bam and Jaron are right there. Brooke Lopez a distant, uh, whatever, seventh behind those guys. But that's your top six. And I think... I think it's those six. I'm not sure about Jaron Jackson Jr., even though if the Grizzlies kind of get on a roll here with John Morant, maybe something happens there. Yep. But exactly. that, that feels like a good top six to me, and, and, and we could debate the order, and I suppose we will. Um, here's the thing. One of the st- defensive stats are really tough, but one of the ones I look at is field goal percentage that you hold players to by the rim, by the basket, if we're talking about centers, right? And in this instance, Rudy Gobert is dominating. He is holding opposing players to 15.5% fewer or percentage points less than what they normally shoot at the basket. 15.5%. That is a monster number. Basically, nobody scores on Rudy Gobert when he's by the rim. Um, And we just saw that when when the Heat played the Timberwolves in that second half. Uh, We saw it. So he's in the lead there. Behind him, Anthony Davis and Chet Holmgren are about the same. Anthony Davis, 11 point, minus 11.4% opponents shooting at the rim. Chet Holmgren, minus 11.5%. Uh, you have Joel Embiid, who's actually second behind Gobert at minus 12.6%. Um, and then Jaron Jackson Jr. at minus 10.1%. So everybody kind of holding guys at least 10 percentage uh, points fewer than what they usually score, except for Bam. Bam's at minus 4.9% at the basket, which is 
fine. It's not bad, but it's not elite. It's not DPOY elite. And so I think people might look at that and say, you know what? I just can't vote for Bam as a center because he's not protecting the rim, which is a center's primary job at the same rate as those other guys. But, and a big but coming, David, expand that to overall shooting percentage, not just within six feet of the basket, overall shooting percentage. Bam is the best in terms of holding players to less than their usual shooting percentages. Gobert, still very good, minus 6.8. Elite mark, elite. Davis, not as good anymore, minus 3.3. Chen Holmgren, still very good, minus 6.3. Joel Embiid, who's actually the best, minus 7.5, but we're not going to talk about that. Jaron Jackson Jr., minus 1.6, a lot worse than his 10.1 by the basket. Bam Adebayo is a minus 7.2. He's actually better holding guys below their shooting percentages, wings and ball handlers, out away from the basket than he is even at the basket, which he's still good, just not elite. And I think that's a very important number here, and it speaks to what Bam's primary role is with in this defense, which is uh, everything. It's everything. And I don't know that Rudy Gobert does everything the way that Bam has to. I don't know that Joel Embiid does everything the way that Definitely. Bam has to. I think maybe the closest comp is a guy like Anthony Davis and even Chet Holmgren as a rookie here are the closest comps to Bam. You can argue Anthony Davis at his peak is probably more of a disruptive defender than Bam Adebayo, but I think I think Bam's consistency is better than Anthony Davis's consistency, and so that would be my argument for making that that for Bam Adebayo as Defensive Player of the Year. And we can go to Cooper Moorhead from Heat.com. He's got all the isolation numbers from Synergy and Second Spectrum and all these things that he could bring up, and he has brought them up before. But I think that that overall shooting percentage number. And I'm sorry, I'm going long here, David. I think it speaks to to Bam's candidacy here. He doesn't have a shot. Doesn't matter. I mean, it's, this is his moot uh, discussion. No, it really is. It's a moot discussion. I, I, I just he think... doesn't have a shot. He's been a finalist. It, that's that was like tossing a bone to a starving dog. It's ridiculous. There's they, they did not consider him. They don't appreciate what Bam Adebayo does. And exactly. every year when he name name names name never name him Kevin O'Connor and ninety percent of the Ringer staff. Um, Michael Pina, notwithstanding, who is a Boston homer himself and has preferred Bam Adebayo in his preseason He's a Bam uh, predictions. Guy. He is a Bam guy because he sees Bam <laughs> crash all over. Does the it Boston count that I here. wrote like a handful of stories for the Ringer? Do I am I being lumped? Do you're I count as part like, of the, the Boston, voice on Miami? There, you're, I'm trying to infiltrate. Trying to infiltrate. No, 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 no. Trying. I'm trying to go behind enemy lines here. No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Uh, I don't think it does. But I just, you know, it's just very strange how like Bam is perceived. And and look, even just yesterday, I think it was a statement by Eddie Johnson of the Phoenix Suns and Justin Termine of uh, Sirius Radio talking about Bam Adebayo, and and they're like, oh, he's just not a very good defender because his shot blocking numbers suck. It's like. I, this is so ridiculous. Wait, they really at some that point, he's a not very good defender. What do they think he does then? Nothing. He does nothing out there, Wes. He just kind of goes around. He's not. He's not a rim that. protector. If you're not a rim protector, you're not a good defender. Yeah. Somehow, like I don't know how you boil down defense to steals or blocks, uh, block shots. Like I, I don't know how you can distill everything that defense is for 48 minutes. And just say, you know what? You have to have X number of this or X number of that in order to qualify. But that's basically where it's come down to. And I know that's kind of – it's been like this for a while, right? You had your, your, your kind of big lumbering stiff out there, and the only reason they were out on the floor 
when these awards were given out was because they could block shots. You know, Mark Eaton comes to mind. It's not a knock sure. on the late great Mark Eaton, but sure, that's that's you know that was basically his role. Stand there, don't let anybody score at the rim. You know, with Bam Adebayo, his his level of defense is so different and so great, and and I mean, we've talked about it so often. And if you're not watching him as often as we have, and obviously these guys are not, you don't respect what Bam Adebayo does. And somehow you don't have to all watch changes. It. You don't have to watch the Heat as much as we do. You don't. And I don't expect I don't expect national people to watch the Heat as much as we do. You and I watch every Heat game. I don't expect national people to watch every Heat game. And if any national person tells you they watch every Heat game, they're probably that's lying. Yeah, yeah, and that's okay. Watch two out of four, two out of five. That's like that's a normal expectation. If you're if you're a national person, you got to watch all these other games. That's fine. But that's then, still. Yeah, but then, what do you do? Many, what you do you do? Well, look, think about that. Think about that. Like, what do you do? Like, when you say, "Oh, let's let's say it's a team that you're not familiar with, you haven't been able to catch that much off." You know, it's like, "Oh, X player is doing great." You go, "Oh yeah, really?" So you watch a game, right? You go, "Huh?" You know, confirmation of the eye test. And then right. what do you do? You go you to gotta, basketball you, reference. You, you go to you, you go to different sites, though. Yeah, no, I get it. But you watch that one game, then you go to the re- you know basketball yeah. reference or wherever you get your stats from. It's like, oh, is he really that great a defender, though? Look at his block. Well, shots. I got another stat. Can I give you another stat? And then we'll we'll, sure. we'll wrap this up. Cleaning the glass. They do the, they break it out in the half court defense, and I love that. I just it's a great stat. So just plus minus with Bam and these other players on and off the court. Very simple. It's a team stat. I understand that. But it does help put into context the impact of these players on their defenses, right? And we use on-off stats for MVP all the time. I think we can use it for GPOI. Rudy Gobert, half court. Uh, the the Timberwolves have a eight. Their their defensive rating is eight points better per 100 possessions with Rudy Gobert on the court. That's an awesome. That's an awesome number. Eight points per 100 possessions in the half court. That's an insane number. Again, Rudy Gobert, probably the front runner for this award. Anthony Davis, point nine. Lakers are. Pretty much the same in the half court defensively with or without Anthony Davis. Chet Holmgren, plus four. That's a that's a good number, especially for a rookie. Joel Embiid, plus 1.3, actually. the I'm sorry. The Sixers are 1.3 points per 100 possessions worse in the half court with Joel Embiid, which is a weird number. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., about even. Bam Adebayo. And I already told you Rudy Gobert is leading the pack right now at eight, uh, plus eight in, in terms of defensive rating in the half court. Bam Adebayo. 10.2. The Heat are 10.2 points per 100 possessions better with Bam Adebayo on the court. Now, again, this is a team stat. It has something to do with the depth behind him. Behind Rudy Gobert is Nas Reed, a very good defender, right? And when Rudy Gobert is off the floor, it's Nas Reed and Carl Anthony Towns. That number is awesome for Gobert. That number is also awesome for Bam, even though it's Thomas Bryant and it's Orlando Robinson and it's Kevin Love on the court when it's not Bam Adebayo. But that's a gargantuan number, and I think it's also one that should be taken into consideration. So look, we can look at the stats and you can look at all the things. And I'm I'm with you on, on this, David. If you're not watching the Heat consistently, it doesn't have to be every game, but you gotta watch a handful of these games. Then maybe you're not gonna know what what it is that Bam Adebayo does. But I do think that Bam, because he is a betting favorite for this award via FanDuel, because he has gotten real consideration from national media, Justin Turnmine and Eddie Johnson notwithstanding, but he has gotten real consideration from other national media. I think he's very much in the running for this award, but he has to play awesome going forward. All right, really quick, really quick, because we're running out of time here. Most improved coach of the year. We talked about Duncan Robinson's case for most improved on a recent show. Duncan Robinson, along with, and I think these are the contenders for that award, Tyrese Maxey, uh, Alperin Sengun, Scotty Barnes, Tyrese Halliburton, Kobe White now, um, mm-hmm. and then uh, maybe Jalen Suggs, maybe on the kind of outer boundary of, of those contenders. But that's, to me, I think the contenders. And then for Coach of the Year, 
I think this is wide open. Jamal Mosley, Chris Finch, Mark Dagnalt from Oklahoma City, uh, Rick Carlisle, Ime Odoka, Nick Nurse, Ty Lue, uh, Joe Missoula probably since the record. I think we probably have to throw him in there. Willie Green, and then obviously I think Eric Spolstra is always going to at least get a look, even if he's not really considered just because he's Eric Spolstra. Um, no chance. No chance for either of those awards. I mean, again, the, the most improved player has been distilled into – Good player that takes a leap into greatness. And I think that's Halliburton, yep. at least from the public perception. If he's getting MVP consideration, at least he is according to that straw poll, then he's probably going to be seen as the reason why Indiana does as well as they do. And look, Indiana might have a deep playoff run in them, although that seems unlikely unless they make a major change to their roster. But given everything that Halliburton has done, he I'm should okay probably with be considered. Him, by the way. Yeah, it's uh, fine. And Maxi, I think Maxi is the betting favorite on FanDuel right now. And I'm okay with that too, honestly, even though that's a little bit tougher to parse between skill development and opportunity where Halliburton has just yeah. taken the things and gone as far uh, as coach of the year. I, it's yeah. so much harder to quantify. Like, you know, Chris Finch is a fine coach. I think he's a great offensive mind. And everybody, you know, really loves him. I think in the NBA community, he's well-respected and everything else like that, but he wasn't considered a good coach last year when he had the exact same roster. So I'm not sure exactly what he's done differently from <laughs> one year to the next. I mean, if you're looking players at are healthy, this yeah, player's healthy. Maybe that's, that's, it. that's it. That's kind of it. No, yeah. I've, I've, I think Chris Finch is an awesome coach. I would not vote for him for coach of the year. I would actually vote Jamal Mosley right now. I really like how he's got the magic playing. And there, you listen to them talk and you listen to him talk. It's a lot of like kind of ripping the pages out of the playbook of the Miami Heat and the Heat culture thing. It kind of feels like they're trying to build Good something yeah. similar there. And so yeah. I got respect for it. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube and follow us on your podcast app.